0: Well, good morning, everybody. Last week, David walked us through uh, the role of elders in the church. So today we're going to be looking at the role of deacons in the church. For some reason, it seems to me like the idea of elders looms large in our consciousness in the church, while the role of deacons is often overlooked. We're conscious of appointing elders carefully we might know which churches around us have or haven't appointed elders for one reason or another. We readily think of elders as leaders in a way that we don't often think about for deacons. I don't know. Maybe that's just just me and my bias. And it might, but it might be reflect. It might be worth reflecting on why that might be in light of what we're going to be talking about today. But certainly the role of deacon and the work that they do in the church is a crucial part of a healthy, functioning church body, as I hope we'll see today. So firstly, what is a deacon? The word that's translated deacon in the Greek is diakonos, which literally means servant. In fact, the word is more often translated as servant, servant. Throughout the New Testament. So, we think of words like administer, attend, help, care, work, ministry. They're, they're all words used by the New Testament at various times to translate this word diakonos, that we also get the word deacon. So, a deacon in some ways is quite literally a waiter, he's hands on. He's involved in the nitty-gritty work and service of life. And it's worth noticing that this is a very generic term and it's used in many places, as I just alluded to, without necessarily referring to this idea of a role of a deacon, of, of a leader in the church. Indeed, as I said, most translation, most uses of this word uh, are just referring to this generic idea of service rather than the transliteration of deacon that we use for the role. Um, And so to illustrate this point, let me just give you a few examples throughout the New Testament where we find this word. Firstly, both Paul and Apollos are described as servants or deacons in 1st Corinthians chapter 3. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 3, Timothy is described as a co-worker or a deacon in God's service. The whole household of Stephanus was involved in service, in deaconing the church in 1st Corinthians chapter 16. Martha was busy making preparations, diaconos, for Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Phoebe was a deacon or a servant in the church at Sancria in Romans chapter 16. More so, many women were involved following Jesus throughout his ministry, ministering, deaconing, diaconos to Jesus, as we read in Matthew chapter 27. Luke even names a few of these women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Susanna, who were supporting Jesus, ministering to Jesus out of their own means and resources. It's It's that same word in all of those instances. So these are just a few examples of people involved in this work of service or deaconing, and so my point is that when we talk about deacons or servants or ministers, we are using a very generic word. In fact, the only real sign of it uh, referring to the idea of a deacon as a role, a formal role within the church, is in two places. The first is the list of qualifications for the role that we find uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And it's worth noting there that the parallel In Titus, um, Titus and Timothy both talk about the role of elders, but it's only Timothy that refers to deacons. Um, And the other reference is in Philippians, where Paul addresses the letter to the overseers and deacons, the elders and the deacons of the church in Philippi. In all the other uses of the word diakonos and its related terms, it's most likely just a generic reference to this idea of service, of being a servant. So with such a generic term, we might struggle to narrow down exactly what is meant by this role or maybe it's a deliberately vague role. See, when we think of words that we talked about last week referring to the role of elders and shepherds, overseers, um, those words alone give us a bit of a clue, as David talked about, as to the type of work, the type of responsibility that, uh, that elders and shepherds have. but what does it mean to be a servant? What is and what isn 't deacon work when we talk about the role of deacons? so I think perhaps a useful place to start is in Acts chapter six. Um, David drew our attention to this last week. Um, This is of course where the apostles uh, appoint seven men uh, to manage the distribution of food uh, to the widows in the church. Now while they aren't in this passage explicitly described as deacons, the word is used to describe their activity. Um, And so I think as David mentioned last week, the distinctions that They the apostles make here between the work of an apostle and the work of a deacon uh, is useful. So let's read from Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So I'm sure we're familiar with the story what I want to note is how the apostles draw this distinction between what they call waiting on tables, um, a ministry of the word. When they talk about waiting on tables, that's the word diakonos, deacons, that we're talking about. So they're literally table servants, waiters uh, as it were. And so we can see this distinction um, between what we might call shepherd-type responsibilities on the one hand, ministry of the word, and what we might call deacon or servant-type responsibilities, or as they say, serving tables. The apostles are devoting themselves to the spiritual needs of the church while the physical needs are handed over to others, the seven, the deacons. It's worth noting that although the apostles make this distinction here, it isn't necessarily a fixed mark. It's not set in stone. When the apostles refer to their ministry of the word, the word ministry is, of course, diakonos, service to the word, deaconing the word. That is still seen as a service, a work. In fact, in Acts chapter 11... Uh, we see Paul and Barnabas bring, Paul and Barnabas are bringing what they call help from members of the church in Antioch to those that are suffering from famine in Judea. The word translated there, help, is in fact also diaconos, So they're bringing service, help, deaconing, as um, from the church uh, in Antioch. But notice that this help is brought to the elders in Jerusalem. It's not brought to the deacons, it's brought to the elders. So when we talk about these roles here, we should keep in mind that they're not exclusionary in that sense because ultimately the work of service is the responsibility of the whole body and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I think the point here is about priorities Not that the elders ought to see themselves as being above common service, above getting their hands dirty. We might say that it's the role of deacons to make sure that they aren't distracted from their primary responsibilities of teaching and shepherding. Similarly, as David noted last week, serving as deacons didn't put these men above the role of preaching, for example as we see in the example of Stephen, who was one of the seven appointed uh, as a as a deacon. Um, and yet, immediately following the passage we just read in Acts chapter 6, we find Stephen not engaging in waiting tables. He's not serving widows. He's preaching and performing miracles. Ultimately, of course, where he's recorded as the church's first martyr. So, That's not to say that Stephen had neglected the responsibilities he had, but he didn't see them as his sole responsibility as a servant in the church. So just a few more thoughts about the role of deacons. Firstly, um, in this example in Acts chapter 6, the work was already being done to distribute food to the widows. The point of a seven deacons wasn't so much that the deacons would do the work, all the work, of distributing food. The problem was that it needed to be done better. The service needed oversight and coordination to be done more thoroughly and more fairly. So we see that the role involves an element of oversight um, and management, not just the work itself. Deacons aren't the only ones involved in the work of service in the church. Secondly, both Romans and First Peter both refer to the gift of ministry and, the, and that's the word diakonos, the gift of deaconing, the gift of service. So although giftedness isn't specifically mentioned when we find qualifications um, of deacons, Finally, what? Not finally, but next. What? What is a deacon not? A deacon isn't an underqualified elder that's seeking to be promoted at the next vacancy. As when Paul establishes qualifications for elders and deacons, I don't think the bar that he sets for deacons is a lower bar than that of elders. Indeed, there are many similarities between the two qualifications. Most of the differences I think there can be linked with the different nature of the roles rather than some progression of suitability um, and hierarchy of maturity. Of course, that's not to say that a deacon couldn't be appointed an elder at some point in time but it would be wrong to view the service of a deacon as some sort of whole pattern just waiting to be promoted to the eldership Um, in that sense. And connected to that, the service of deacons isn't any less important or worthy of honour than that of elders. Greater than the other. One isn't more prestigious than the other. One isn't more valuable than the other. They're just different parts of the one body working together for the growth of the body and the glory of God. James describes pure and faultless religion as two things, looking after orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. Looking after widows and orphans as table service, that's what the men in Acts were appointed to. That's deacon-type work. Keeping ourselves as individuals and as a body from being polluted by the world. That's ministry of the word. That's shepherd type work. But James says that they're both important. They're both part of pure. They're both important. If we value one over the other, what does that say about our concept of religion? Are we neglecting one, putting one to the expense? of the other they're both important as we said before deacons aren't the only members of the church involved in service as we've mentioned paul clearly refers to the many gifts that we all have and all ought to be used in service in deacon in that sense we all ought to be servants or deacons in that generic sense To quote from 1 Peter chapter 4 Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves or deacons he should do it so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So finally, as we'll note in a moment, when we look at the qualifications, they seem to focus more on character rather than practical worldly experience. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles looked for men who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. It didn't seem to matter too much whether they had experience running a managing a large-scale distribution network. Um, They were looking for men of character, not necessarily experience. And I think that reminds us that what God's work mostly needs is willing godly servants. We can worry about things like worldly experience, education and other qualifications types things that the world might value. Not that these things are bad things to consider, and as we've mentioned, giftedness obviously plays a part. But when God's on our side and we're working with God's strength, what we need primarily, what we need most of all, are willing people to stand up and do their part to serve. So to sum up the role of deacons succinctly, I think would be perhaps one of logistics management and administration, keeping things running smoothly, organisation, collections, budgets, rosters, infrastructure, facilities, programs. All of these things are important, but they could prove distracting to shepherds in their primary responsibility of shepherding the flock, of shepherding people. All these things often... These things that escape our notice fall under the responsibility of deacons. So let's look briefly at the qualifications or qualities of deacons and see what sense of the, of the role, of, of, of the type of person that Paul sees as suited to this type of responsibility. <clears throat> Firstly, as we've already noticed in passing from Acts chapter 6, the Apostles simply called for men who were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. So this speaks to men with a strong and mature faith, full of the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit, full of the fruit of the Spirit, and in a way that is lived out both practically and a way that's known by reputation. They're known to be full of the Spirit. They're men with a track record of faithful wise service, a track record of deaconing, if you will, and they're known for this, known to have this heart of service. That's a very simple qualification, as we noted earlier. And we see that primacy of character over uh, expertise. Yes, a history of service, but they don't need to be experts in everything that they might oversee, because remember, of course, we're not expecting these men to do all the work themselves. Um, much of the work will ultimately be delegated to others that have, might have more experience in specific uh, areas of service. But what is important in the leaders is to be men of character. So secondly, let's look quickly at, at the qualifications Paul gives in 1 Timothy chapter 3 which I think gives us some more detail, starting in verse 8. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. It must be the husband of but one wife, children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance of their faith in Christ Jesus. So, what do we see there? Firstly, they're men worthy of respect, they're honourable, dignified, serious. Someone who cares about the duty of service that comes with the role, someone worth imitate, look up to, and follow as a leader in service. Secondly, they ought to be sincere. The word is literally not double tongued. Perhaps we might say two faced. They're not hypocrite. This is someone you can trust because they mean what they say. And they say what they mean they don't say one thing and they don't say one thing to someone and a different thing to someone else. They're a straight talker and you can trust them and take them at their word. when they say they're going to do something, you know and can trust that they'll do it. They must not indulge in much, much wine so, you know. Say so God seeks people whose minds are bent to service, and not their vices, such as alcohol here, or whatever else distraction um, that that might be, drugs. Um, take, pick, pick your vice. Men of service, not vice. They must not pursue dishonest gain. They're not. We're not looking for greedy people. Um, this one's fairly obvious, I guess. If a deacon has responsibility, for distributing food and resources, um, how can you entrust money to them if they're not um, trustworthy, if they're looking to take that money or resources for themselves? Think about Judas, uh, who in John chapter 12 is said to have routinely helped himself to the money that was entrusted to him as the keeper of the money bag. Um, Being entrusted with managing things can provide too great a temptation for some people and they're not the right people for that job. Next, you must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They need to be men of depth and insight and wisdom, pure and disconnected from false teachings, myths and controversies and other meaningless distractions. Instead, Their work of service flows from this deep inner faith and conscience that they have. Not through selfish goals of worldly gain or renown um, for what they might do that 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 motivate uh, too many troublemakers. They're men who love service um, because it's service, not because it glorifies themselves. Next, they're to be tested or proved and have nothing found against them. It's not clear here what form this testing ought to take. Um, But either Paul has some sort of probationary period in mind, perhaps, or perhaps it's just a simple matter of holding them against that standard which has been outlined here. Do they meet this standard? Is that already evident in their life and service? But either way, there's this clear idea of them being tested and meeting this standard. In other words, the appointment of deacons isn't mindless, it requires care and deliberation. Wife and must manage his family. These matters of marriage and family are the most significant practical measures given in which qualities for this kind of leadership are borne out. Of the other character issues that we've been looking at previously, all those character issues should be demonstrated and proven in their marriage. Perhaps this is part of the testing that we were speaking of a moment ago. Now, In the midst of this list in verse 11, Paul outlines something deacons or possibly even deaconesses. It's not perfectly clear which he's talking about given the language here because the word Paul uses can mean either wife or just woman. Um, so it's not clear whether he's talking about female deacons or wives of deacons. In fact, as we mentioned earlier, um in Romans chapter 16, Paul commends Phoebe as a servant or possibly a deaconess of the church in Sancria. But again, it's unclear if in that context either whether Paul's talking about Phoebe as a role of deacon or simply someone who served, who deaconed um, in the church there. So what do we make of it? There's no similar discussion about the qualities of elders' wives, or female elders, which could lead some credence to the idea that it wasn't, or that although it was inappropriate for women to serve as elders, that maybe there weren't similar problems with women serving as deacons. On the other hand, this, the way this verse is inserted into the middle of a discussion about clearly male deacons suggests more that the discussion of wives or women isn't an adjunct to the idea of deacons, suggesting that it is referring to the deacons' wives, not independent deaconesses. We could also ask why, if the role of deacon was to be identical between men and women, why separate qualities were needed to be discussed for each. Perhaps it represents different weaknesses between the genders that need to be guarded against. At any rate, it's difficult to be certain either way, and there are arguments on both sides. I think it's likely to be referring to deacon's wives, but I don't want to get too distracted by that issue here this morning. But what does Paul say about them? They're to be worthy of respect, just like the deacons themselves. And it's the same thing for elders as well. They're to be honourable, dignified, someone you can look up to. They're not to be malicious talkers. We spoke before about the deacons not being double-tongued and it's a different word here one that's usually translated as referring to the father of liars. So you might say someone who's not devil-tongued. <clears throat> well, you think of that type of negative or false accusations, bitter, uh, bickering and fighting. That type of person is of the devil and his servants, not God's servants. And they should be temperate. This speaks to an idea of being free of outside influences. They're not swayed to and fro. Um, Whether it's things like distracting controversies or distracting substances like wine, um, I think the idea is to be calm and even-keeled, stable. They're not swayed to and fro by outside forces. And finally, they're to be trustworthy. Paul uses this word repeatedly, saying this is a trustworthy saying, for example. You can take it to the bank. There's someone who's faithful and reliable. If you think about Proverbs 31, the wife of a noble character is described as her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. That's the sort of woman that can faithfully serve both her husband and the church someone you can trust and have confidence in. So those are the qualities or qualifications that Paul gives for deacons and their wives. But what does that mean for us? Particularly, what does it mean for those who aren't or perhaps never will be appointed deacons? How do we relate to deacons? Firstly, we ought to respect those who are serving as deacons they're worthy of our respect and cooperation pray for them encourage them and honor them secondly don't grumble remember back in acts chapter 6 problems arose in the church when there was grumbling and complaining about the distribution of food the problems were real and legitimate problems that needed sorting But it started with people complaining. The deacons labour to make things work smoothly, but they aren't perfect. Don't be part of the problem. Don't just grumble or complain. Share problems with them. Offer ideas and help. Offer solutions. But most importantly, offer yourselves. Get involved. After all, deacons are just servants and we're all servants. We all have gifts to be used in the service of the church. So use them. document available on the website that outlines all the deacons' ministries here at the point. Um, I'd suggest if you have the opportunity to read that. And as you do, ask yourself the question, how can I help with this ministry? How can I work to make this ministry work better or run smoother? Talk to the deacons about it. Help make their service as deacons a joy and not a burden. Christ. Pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, works of deaconing so that the body of Christ may be built up. All of us, equipping all of us to be involved in that service. And that's the role of the leaders, the elders and the deacons, to equip us all for service. So just to conclude that, with that passage from 1 Peter chapter 4, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received, that is to deacon, faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves or deacons, things, God may be praised through Jesus. Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.